going on, New York Giant fans? The Miami Dolphins 20, the New York Giants 9. Welcome back to the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. If you guys haven't already hit that like button, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or your drops. If you're on Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, please follow the podcast. We are at 320 subscribers on YouTube right now, so please help us out. Help out the algorithm. And let's reach some more milestones here on YouTube. I want to start off today's episode like this. And if you're on Spotify, Podbean, you may not get a good look at it because you're listening to the audio version. If you're on YouTube, you're going to understand what I'm talking about. So I want you guys to take a look. And maybe it's not the best quality in the world. Maybe it's not great quality, but it's usually uploaded to 1080 on YouTube so it's probably the best or one of the best qualities and let me stop talking about that I want you to take a look at today's template and I didn't realize this until I uploaded this on OBS to record and you know did the camera thing and all that other stuff right so it's a picture of MetLife Stadium in the background from what you guys can tell obviously me and the camera and the plans for today are shading over it a little bit, but you guys can tell that that's a picture of MetLife Stadium. What do you see? It's nighttime. Looks like nighttime. Parking lot, obviously empty. That has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm saying. But if you want to make a conspiracy theory about it, do what you want to do. What's my point in this? See all that orange? The Verizon sign has a little red. It's got some yellow. It's got some orange on it, right? Some orange in the sky with some dark clouds. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not East Rutherford, New Jersey. Well, it is East Rutherford, New Jersey. Specifically where MetLife Stadium is. But, ladies and gentlemen, I want to formally welcome you all to hell. We are all living in hell right now. And this was one of the most meaningless Giants games I think I've ever watched in... My New York Giants fandom tenure. And I don't know. I'm going to read the stats and then we're going to go about it because there's a lot I want to talk about. I don't know if it's going to be 42 minutes, 30 minutes, 35 minutes, 50 minutes, maybe an hour. Maybe I'll go on some some unforeseen rant or something like that. And that's not by design. That's not scripted. This isn't. WFAN or ESPN Sports Radio, by the way. So, Mike Lennon, 23 for 44, 187 yards, one interception. To attack Avaloa, 30 completions on 41 attempts, 244 yards, two touchdowns. Mike Lennon was sacked three times. Tagovailoa was sacked twice. Giants in the ground game, Saquon Barkley, 11 rushes for 55 yards. Devontae Booker, 6 carries, 36 yards. 
You look at the Miami rushing game. Miles Gaskin, 15 rushes for 44 yards. Salvin Ahmed, 8 rushes for 23 yards. And then Tua Tagovailoa rushed twice for one yard. But those were probably scrambling yards. If anything, at that. Take a look at the Giants receiving game. Evan Ingram met a solid day. Four receptions, 61 yards. Kenny Galladay. Three receptions, 37 yards. Farrell Cooper. The practice squad signee, also known as the punt and kick returner. Two receptions, 21 yards. Saquon Barkley, six receptions for 19 yards. Kyle Rudolph, two receptions, 18 yards. Devontae Booker, four receptions, 18 yards. And then Darius Slayton, two receptions for 13 yards. And John Ross was targeted once. I don't think I'm going to go into depth like that for the Miami Dolphins. In terms of their receiving game. Jalen Waddle, nine receptions, 90 yards. Devontae Parker, five receptions, 62 yards. Mike Gesicki, seven receptions, 46 yards. Albert Wilson, four catches for 26 yards. Mac Hollins caught a five-yard touchdown, and Isaiah Ford caught a two-yard touchdown. Take a look at the Giants' defense. The main key players on that defense, really. Quincy Roche, he had a nice day. Six tackles, one sack, one tackle for a loss, and a quarterback hit. Aziz Ojolari with similar stats, four tackles, one sack, one tackle for a loss, and a quarterback hit. Tay Crowder had nine tackles and one quarterback hit. Xavier McKinney had one tackle for a loss. Look at the Miami defense, which has more playmakers, especially in this game, than the Giants defense. Obviously, when you're facing a backup quarterback, you're going to get that. Jalen Phillips, three tackles, two sacks. Two tackles for loss, two quarterback hits. Adam Butler, two tackles, one sack, one tackle for loss, one quarterback hit. Christian Wilkins, five tackles, two quarterback hits. Andrew Van Ginkle, five tackles, one tackle for loss, one quarterback hit. Javon Holland had a quarterback hit. Alandon Roberts had two tackles and a tackle for loss. Xavier Howard had the interception. Jerome Baker had three tackles, a tackle for loss, and a quarterback hit as well. Take a look at the total stats, the team stats. Take a look at this. The Miami Dolphins had 19 first downs. The Giants had 16. The Miami Dolphins had 17 passing first downs. The Giants had 10. In terms of rushing first downs, the Giants had 6. Miami Dolphins had 1. In terms of first downs from penalties, Miami Dolphins had 1. One thing I could say about the Giants, not a very penalty-stricken game. Only one or two penalties. One of them was due to the offense and the head coach because they're a bunch of knuckleheads. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Third down efficiency, the Giants were 6-for-16, and the Dolphins were 6-for-15. Fourth down efficiency, the Giants were 1-for-1. They ran it with Barkley once, and it was a first down. Total plays, Giants ran four less plays, 68-64. to In terms of total yards, the Miami Dolphins had 297 yards. Giants had 250. Both teams had 12 drives. Giants had 3.9 yards per play. The Miami Dolphins had 4.4. In terms of red zone efficiency, the Giants were 0 for 1, and the Miami Dolphins were 2 for 2. Penalties, Giants had 3 penalties for 23 yards, and the Miami Dolphins had 3 for 15 yards. Giants turned it over once with an interception, and the Giants had 29 minutes and 20 seconds in time of possession, and the Miami Dolphins had 30 minutes and 40 seconds. So let me say this. No more playoff hopes, no more anything. And then one thing I will say, I'll come on here and say it as many times as I have to. 
don't root for tanking. Don't root for tanking because I don't consider you a real fan if you actually root for the Giants to lose out the season. Because how is that fair to guys like Andrew Thomas and Aziz Ojolari and all those other guys? And especially for the fact that, yes, we're in a bad stage right now, and I'm not going to deny it because I'll talk about it a couple of times throughout this podcast episode. But the Jaguars... They've been losing for most of their tenure as a franchise since 1998. The Jets, they haven't had a Super Bowl since 1969. And I'm not saying, oh, it's not that bad. Giants fans are exaggerating. They're not exaggerating because it's been the same cycle for the last couple of years. But don't root for tanking because what does it show? That you want to root for a team to lose because, well, they get a high draft pick. And what if the next GM fucks that up? You don't know who you're going to draft. Because guess what? You may be rooting for the tank for Hutchinson, the tank for Thibodeau, all these other draft picks, right? And one of them could be taken. So maybe your ideal situation of tanking would have failed. And tanking has been ruining sports for a little while now. The Dolphins, they, conspiracy theorists think they did it in 2019. It was more of a rebuild kind of stage because they lost brutal games in the first half of the season. But teams that actually tank and teams that actually do really, really poorly, you can see in the MLB if I have any MLB fans watching or listening. The Pittsburgh Pirates, the Kansas City Royals, the Detroit Tigers, the San Diego Padres at one point, the San Francisco Giants at one point, all these other teams. And then Buster Olney, a reporter for ESPN for the MLB, came out and said that 17 of the 30 teams in the MLB are looking to win this year. 13 teams are not because they're focusing on rebuilding. Now, how is that good for the product? And I'm not going to go on a tangent on that, but I'm just here to state that don't root for tanking. Don't root for tanking because guess what? There's a lot of other teams in history in total who have been worse. And if you tank for Thibodeau, if you tank for this guy, they can be easily taken off the board. I can't snap. But also as well, they may not work in the NFL. Chase Young. Shouts to him. Hope he's doing better. But he tore his ACL this year. How do the tank for Chase Young people feel about that? And I'm and I'm not going to sit here and want players to get injured. That's not something I have ever been a fan of. I'm not some of these other content creators, especially one Eagles content creator, but I'll leave it at that. Tank for Tua Train for the Miami Dolphins. It seems to be working out the last couple of games. But what's their record? Six and seven? Their expectations were high this year. Their expectations were high this year. And they're eager to get into a wild card spot in an AFC that really sucks. But also, when I say sucks, for certain teams, they lose to bad teams, but they still maintain 
an above 500 record. So that's what I'm talking about in terms of that. So let me get off this tanking tangent and let me actually start talking about the team. I don't know what makes anyone think that Joe Judge should be back next year. I don't know why some players on this team are talking shit after a 20-9 loss. Especially Logan Ryan. We'll talk about that actually in a little bit. I think I'll just go offense, defense. We'll talk about a couple of things there. And we'll judge Joe afterwards. So, Mike Lennon started well, but he finished like garbage. The O-line still cannot block. The player execution is being exposed. Saquon Barkley is not the same physically and mentally. Nate Silder and Will Hernandez are playing horribly. Corey Cunningham was playing the jumbo tight end spot over Matt Parrott. Mike Lennon has a concussion, so Jake Fromm is likely starting next week. And then the offense has not gotten much better. I'm not going to sit here and say that Jason Garrett wasn't a problem for this offense because his offense was bad. It is stuck in a time warp. That's an offense that could be done in 2009. And that is an offense that needs well-blocking offensive linemen. Like most offensive schemes, but him... And his scheme are stuck in the past. We don't know if Jason Garrett's going to ever get another coaching job. I wish him out, uh, wish him well in his new endeavors. But he needed to go. But the problem with that, there's a couple of things. It was way too late. So you can't even say, oh, well, the Giants can start some streak after this or something like that. He should have been fired after week three. Should have been fired multiple times before after the Bucks game but that's one side of the argument Joe Judge had the final say in firing Jason Garrett and he looks like a total asshole right now because when you start firing people you're trying to save your own ass and if John Mara doesn't recognize this and says, ah, let Joe Judge come back another year. I don't know how you can say that's a recipe for success. I don't know how. I really don't. Joe Judge is a conservative head coach. And let's be honest, the offense has not done better by any stretch of the imagination over the last two games that Freddie Kitchens has called. And sure, he's had some good play calls, some bad play calls, player execution, stuff like that. But one of his woes against the Miami Dolphins was sticking so much to the screen game. I just felt like, in my opinion, there wasn't enough crossing routes or slant routes because that way you could get it out. But then again, you have a giraffe at quarterback who can't throw the ball So, there's that, which is going to be another argument in just a couple of seconds. But Joe Judge absolutely looks like an asshole right now. And let me say this about the coaching staff. You can have your picks about who's bad, who's good. Giants have 20 different coaches from college, stuff like that, right? Let me say this. The Giants had arguably... 
the same or similar personnel against the Eagles as they did against the Saints. The same offensive line. Nearly the same receivers. Take a look at those two games. Daniel Jones put up 400 against a then top defense in the NFL. And then you take a look at the Eagles, who are middle of the pack. They were coming off a winning streak. And then he puts up 200 yards. And the running game still couldn't get going. There's a lot of things that go into that. I'm not making any excuses for the fact that Dave Gettleman did not address this offensive line. But how does your offensive line get worse as you go into the latter half of the season? How does it get worse? Please tell me. Please tell me. How does the offensive production get any worse? Blame Jason Garrett. That's definitely a point you can make. But the New Orleans Saints had a better defense. And this offensive line, they gave up no sacks that game against Cameron Jordan. Against, I don't know if Marcus Davenport was playing. Demario Davis was playing. All those other guys. They didn't give up a sack. But the Eagle game, yeah, they didn't give up a sack. But the production wasn't there. You take a look at the Miami game. Mike Lennon was sacked three times. Really twice because Mike Lennon was holding on to the ball like this. He was patting the ball like many of you think Daniel Jones does. And I'm not defending Daniel Jones. Trust me. I'm pretty much done with Daniel Jones. You could take him, take Saquon Barkley. But for all the people out there that said that Mike Lennon was going to drop 30... Or that Mike Lennon was going to do better than Daniel Jones. I hope you've learned your lesson. Because that just shows to everybody that you're an ass. And that you want to be right about a certain player. For the followers. For the clicks. So that the Giants go out and uh, draft Malik Willis next year. Who can't even beat Ole Miss by the way. We talk about Daniel Jones in college right. He played for Duke. A basketball school. While Malik Willis cannot beat any competition that's above him. And some of the competition that is below him, he couldn't beat. Which is going to be some tangent that I'll get into maybe in another episode or something like that. I'm not going to waste too much time on it. But Rob Sale definitely deserves some blame. Because... With this current unit, and you can even say for the offensive strategy as well, how do you not get the run game going at any point in the season? When was the last time the New York Giants actually rushed for over 100 yards? I think it actually was against the Raiders. When the Giants did not have Andrew Thomas, they had Matt Parrott at left tackle, and Nate Solder at right tackle. And I'm not going to... Or at least I'm going to try to avoid a tangent about the Matt Parrott Nate Solder thing. At this point, it's a dead duck who's better. Because Matt Parrott's likely on a different team next year, or he's on the practice squad, or something like that. But when you have Corey Cunningham, a practice squad offensive tackle, as your jumbo tight end over Matt Parrott, 
you are clueless as a coaching staff in terms of evaluating personnel. And there's an argument out there, obviously advocating, well, Matt Parrott's better than Nate Solder. That I personally agree with. Once again, it is a dead duck argument. But let me show you another side of the same argument. Nate Solder will not be here next year. I don't know what his cap hit is. Whatever. He's not going to be here next year. He's lethargic. He doesn't play well. That's actually shifting more towards the argument I just talked about. Let me go into what I'm going to talk about and not try to jumble everything. I apologize. I know I'm rambling here. Corey Cunningham, a practice squad tackle, is playing over Matt Parrott. Your third round pick from a year and a half ago. Where are the priorities on this staff? Where is the evaluation? Because let's turn this into a very one-sided, two-sided argument. If you think, in terms of the coaching staff, if you honestly think that Corey Cunningham deserves snaps in terms of evaluation, in terms of who's better, and in terms of, well, we're going to evaluate him because maybe he's here next year if Joe Judge stays. If you think Corey Cunningham is better than Matt Parrott in terms of those three aspects plus many more, Get Isaiah Wilson off the practice squad because the Giants took a flyer on him. He wants to get back into football. And in that case, you cannot tell me that keeping Will Hernandez out there is even worth anything at this point. Might as well just go to Isaiah Wilson. The priorities are so bad on this team they are so backwards because we're going to sit here and play Nate Solder even though he's not going to be here next year we're going to play Corey Cunningham he's not going to be here next year while you have two guys in Matt Pert and in Isaiah Wilson and sure you could say well they haven't done really anything in practice how about game time against actual defensive linemen against actual edge rushers how about that instead of oh practice uh." and let me say this before I go on to a couple other things a lot of people are saying well besides the timeouts and a couple other things well Joe Judge really didn't blow this game you could say that but I'm not going to say that because there are things that Joe Judge should have done in order to possibly put his QB in a better situation. The Nate Solder thing, you can easily blame on him and his coaching staff. And I just made the argument for that. So this narrative, oh, well, backup QB, this, any other thing. Let's stop blaming the fact that Dave Gettleman, and I will actually go back and reference, obviously, to the first couple minutes of this podcast episode where I said Dave Gettleman deserves all the blame for not addressing the offensive line. 
At this point, if you're the coaching staff, you have to work with what you have. Nobody coming in or out is going to make much of a difference, but you have to evaluate. You have to evaluate pieces that you think are for the future. And if you think that Nate Solder is the future right tackle of this franchise, I think you're clinically insane and you need to have your head examined. If you think that Corey Cunningham is the swing tackle, the future swing tackle of the New York Giants franchise, you need to have your head examined. So it's not just about, oh, well, he's playing good, he's playing bad, this, that, and the other thing. It's not just about, oh, it's in practice, whatever. It's about priorities. It's about evaluation for the future. And guess what, New York Giants fans? There is no future for this team. Because we're going through that two-year, three-year cycle again where it's got to hire a new GM, got to hire a new head coach, gone after two years, gone after three years. And we know Dave Gettleman's not returning after this year. It's pretty evident. But to keep Joe Judge and bring in somebody else that may work with him and he still can't get the job done with better talent, I can't argue for that standpoint. I can't argue for that. I think it's stupid. So there is definitely blame to go on the coaching staff. And... I'm going to talk about Joe Judge's timeout usage and some of the fourth downs in judging Joe. The Giants need to go after a backup quarterback next year. And I'm not talking these fringe QBs, these, oh, uh, Colt McCoy, Mike Glennon, this guy, that guy, Luke Falk, I don't know, Alex Tanney. Joe Schmo, Joe Blow. No. I don't care whether it is we have Daniel Jones next year or not. The Giants organization, including their fan base, the Giants organization was spoiled by the durability of Eli Manning that they almost never went to their backup quarterback. Geno Smith obviously was the backup in 2017. We all know what happened. 2019, the Giants were lucky that they had Eli Manning, or else they probably would not have won against the Dolphins, and that game would not have been close on Monday Night Football against the Eagles. In 2020, Colt McCoy, he didn't do much of anything because the game plan was built around the running game, and in the second game, when Freddie Kitchens was more aggressive and some of the other things he did, the players didn't execute, so that failed. Giants only scored six points that game. And then you look at partially the game against the Cowboys, and then you look at this game, Mike Glennon's absolute ass. This is why he's been a backup for years and years now. You look at some of these teams across the league, they're winning with backup quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts was out with an ankle injury against the Jets. Gardner Minshew comes in, he beats the Jets, 33-18. to Sure, you can argue, well, it's the Jets, you know. But he won the game. He's still more capable of winning an NFL game with better talent or worse talent than Mike Lennon is. And that's right. They were on the same team in 2020. And wasn't Mike Lennon benched for Gardner Minshew or Jake Luton or whichever quarterback was starting after him? Because Mike Lennon was 0-5 as a starter. He's 2-15 in his career as a starter. 2-15. And I know, the Giants will probably not have a lot of money next year. 
and they may have to make sacrifices, like cutting Kyle Rudolph, possibly cutting James Bradbury, cutting Nick Gates is definitely a possibility, cutting these other guys, but any money that you have, whether it's $20 million, $33 million, $25 million, you need to allocate some of that money towards a backup quarterback. Because Giant fans last two years, whether Daniel Jones is the quarterback or not, are tired of seeing their QB getting injured and having absolutely no chance against the opponent unless the game plan is built around the defense and the running game. Daniel Jones, he's been very disappointing in terms of the fact that he's getting injured every year and he's making stupid decisions like sliding with neck first and all these other things. We have to start Jake Fromm next week because of that, because now Mike Lynn is is concussed. I can't even talk today. But the Giants need to prioritize getting an actual backup QB that was once a starter. Tyrod Taylor, I know he just got injured for Houston. That's an option. Teddy Bridgewater, that's an option. Who knows what the future is in Denver next year because Vic Fangio and his team are 6-6, six and six, something like that. So he may be gone. He may not be gone. Jameis Winston, I think he'd be a better option if he wasn't coming off an ACL injury. But then again, he's not going to be the direct starter. And also, not just for injury purposes, but we need somebody to come in and actually compete with Daniel Jones because Colt McCoy and Mike Lennon are not enough. So pick your poison. Is it going to be Andy Dalton? Is it going to be Teddy Bridgewater? That is one of the most underlying needs for next year and free agency. And don't give me this, oh, we're going to go ahead and draft a developmental QB in the sixth round. Don't give me that, please. We don't need another Kyle Loletta. We could have gotten a cornerback or an offensive lineman with that pick we selected Loletta with. That is one of my least favorite draft picks out of the Gettleman regime. Whether it was under Judge, under Shermer, I don't care. And I've defended Dave Gettleman and his picks at times, but I've also gotten a shock of reality and I said it's time to face facts because Dave Gettleman is not a GM and is not deserving of a GM job in today's NFL especially with the way contracts are constructed and the picks and the drafting all that other stuff and let me say this about one of his picks Saquon Barkley I don't like to sit here and and dislike players and absolutely trash players. But my God, was he terrible against the Miami Dolphins. Sure, you can argue he had two good runs. One was for 10 yards and one was for 23 yards. So that's 33 rushing yards. You take away those two carries. Those two carries. So that's, you got 11 carries, 55 yards. Take away 33 and take away... Two carries. So that's nine carries for 22 yards, which is approximately two point something yards per carry. And I'm not going to sit here and just blame the offensive line. They do deserve blame because nobody can get push up front. I think that's pretty obvious. But two drops in the passing game. How do you even try to defend that? You can't. 
can't say, oh, well, you know, his body, he's worn down emotionally, he's defeated. Uh. We could say the same thing for Daniel Jones. But Saquon isn't the same player. Sorry. He needs to be critiqued more than he is. And I'm not going to sit here like these folks on Twitter and go, oh, he's a mascot for this team. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to call him what he is. He's a defeated, washed running back in a Giants uniform. Maybe he goes somewhere else and he's an average running back. Maybe he goes back to form. I don't know. I hope he does succeed wherever he goes next. But with that being said, he's done in a Giants uniform. He's done. He's not helping himself. Because anyone who looks at the nine carries other than the two for big runs will probably say, okay, the offensive line is dead terrible, but Saquon could have hit a hole here. He could have just taken the one-yard loss instead of making it it into a three-yard loss. I feel like in ways... He still has the mentality of, well, some of my body parts are not working. The offensive line isn't blocking in front. Hey, I can still break tackles, though. I can still be my 2018 self. No, you can't, Saquon. I'm sorry. I've rooted for your success. At the time, I didn't like the draft pick, and I'm not going to go into hindsight because God knows what I would have done in that situation, I'm not going to talk about me being a GM or anything like that. But my God, he is worn down. He is bad. He is bad. He is not a good running back anymore. At least in a Giants uniform. Maybe he goes and succeeds for some other team. But once again, he is he, he's, he's finished. Finished in Giants uniform. And, and the thing is, with his rookie contract and with all these other things... Even his value, too, you can't move him. So he's going to be here next year. Whether it's a new GM, old GM, and the new GM, if he wants to get rid of him, his best case scenario is going ahead and cutting him and incurring the dead cap. (sighs) Player execution is being exposed. I'm not going to talk too much about this because I pretty sure have banged the drum on this. Jason Garrett... Was he the biggest issue on this Giants team? I don't think so. I don't think he was the biggest issue. He was one of the bigger issues for the Giants offense. But this can tell you that player execution, especially the last two weeks, player execution is being so exposed right now. Being so exposed. Mike Glennon throwing behind John Ross on an easy route. Darius Slayton dropping multiple passes. Saquon Barkley dropping multiple passes, not hitting the hole. That's stuff you cannot blame on the offensive coordinator. So, you could talk about the talent. You could talk about Jason Garrett. Talk about Freddie Kitchens. Talk about this guy, that guy, whoever. But the player execution is not there. And it's not like the Giants have total all practice squad wide wide receivers all targets are practice squad journeymen Farrell Cooper was targeted I believe three or four times and he got two passes and one of those 
targets was when Mike Glennon was throwing off his back foot because he was pressuring, or I would say, or I should say, he was being pressured so much he had to throw off the back foot and Farrell Cooper couldn't get it. But it's not like, oh, Farrell Cooper tipped it into the hands of a defender and it's intercepted. No. Evan Ingram, you can argue that he could have caught that pass along the sideline, but also another argument can be made that Mike Lennon should have threw a better ball because guess what, folks? He was wide open. He was wide open. Daniel Jones, in my opinion, makes that throw. For all of you people out here that are rooting against Daniel Jones, that are saying, oh, freak Mike Lennon. Yeah, yeah, freak Mike Lennon. Shut up, please. I don't believe Daniel Jones is the answer, but let's not sit here and go ahead and make all these crazy campaigns. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And this is what losing does to a fan base. This is what losing does to a fan base. And if we're going to say free Mike Glennon, free Jake Fromm, well, let's free Gary Brightwell because Saquon ain't doing the job. But back to my point. Player execution is not there. And that's being exposed more than ever. And once again, I'll say it before we go on to the defense because I definitely have some things to say about the defense and a certain yip-yapper that wants to talk even though Tua Tagovailoa put up some pretty solid numbers against them. We'll talk about that in a couple of seconds, though. But the execution of the players is horrible. It's being exposed even more. And it's not like, oh, the Giants have their whole wide receivers. You know, their whole wide receiver group is a bunch of practice squad guys. Yeah, Farrell Cooper's out there, right, but he's not costing the Giants games. He's not making key drops. Evan Ingram could have caught that pass. Kenny Galladay's out here getting hurt. Because he got cracked in the ribs, even though his ribs aren't cracked. He got hit in the ribs. Team is injury prone. Saquon Barkley's making mental mistakes. The offensive line has regressed. And you have a conservative head coach. Recipe for disaster in today's NFL, everybody. So, let's talk about the defense. And I'm not going to make too many comments but there are comments to be made. So, Tua Tagovailoa had 30 completions on 41 attempts, 241 yards, two touchdowns. And Logan Ryan wants to come out and say after the game, and a lot of Dolphin fans, as they have their right, came out and roasted him for the comment that he made. And the comment that he made is, and this is on the Giants, well, he was asked about the Giants their QB situation, whatever, Logan Ryan comes out and says, well, you know, I played quarterback in high school, and I could do the same thing as Tua Tagovailoa and throw two-yard passes to the left. Two-yard passes to the left, that's pretty impressive. And if he's throwing two-yard passes to the left every play, well, seems that you guys did a horrible job stopping it if it's two-yard passes for, per play, and then they score 20 points on you. Which, let's do the math, everybody. Let's do the math. It's about 241 passing yards. And then 
You divide that by two approximately, that's 120. So they ran 120 passing plays. And you guys couldn't get off the field in that aspect. But back to reality, back to more serious real-life situations, Logan Ryan should have shut his mouth. And someone brought this up. Blake Martinez gets a lot of rip because he's a quirky person. He likes Pokemon and all this other stuff. But a lot of people like Logan Ryan because of his press conferences. Yeah, he seems like a leader. Bullshit. Bullshit. When was the last time Logan Ryan actually made a nice play? Yeah, you could say, oh, he makes a lot of tackles in the secondary. He hasn't created a turnover since week one. What can I say about that? And he says he's a leader. And you know what? You can be arrogant. You can be somewhat of a trash talker and all this other garbage. But you have to have a resume behind it. You have to have a resume behind it. And the fact that his team is not winning shows that his resume isn't good. And I'm not saying it's all on Logan Ryan, of course. But you're a 4-8 football team. And you're coming out and saying this crap. After a loss. It's not like, oh, you won. After a loss. He still thinks he's playing for the New England Patriots under Bill Belichick. And they're still winning 2-3 to three Super Bowls. I mean, it's just ridiculous. How do you come out and have that sort of ego? It's like Carlos Correa coming out and saying that type of trash in 2013. He wasn't even in the major leagues in 2013. 2013, he probably was in double A, triple A. But it's like him coming out and saying in 2013 that he's better than Derek Jeter and stuff like that. Meanwhile, the Houston Astros lost lost more than 100 games that season. So you have no room to talk, Logan Ryan. This ain't the time to be egotistical. So, you know what? And you haven't been yourself either. Besides tackles in the secondary and that turnover in week one. Let's be honest. You've been missing a lot of tackles too. (sighs) Yeah. (sighs) But I'm also going to say this. Also, the Giants turnover streak came to an end, which is unfortunate. But it had a uh, good 14-game run. I'll say that. I think it was 14 games no it was 13 games okay my mistake on that I missed one so the Giants got two sacks Quincy Roche Aziz Ojolari Aaron Robinson those guys you can keep for the future I mean Aaron Robinson did struggle a couple of times he gave up one or two catches but he didn't play too terribly and he's a third round pick so you can't expect too much but he made an impact on that Gusecki drop in the end zone he stopped Jalen Waddle on third down can't do much of anything on that back shoulder uh, fade to Devontae Parker. But with that being said, I'm not impressed with James Bradbury in the way he played. Same thing with Xavier McKinney a little bit. Because you take a look at the two touchdowns. The first one was back of the end zone to Mac Hollins. Xavier McKinney missed that. He missed that zone that he was supposed to cover. Easy... Throw to the end zone. Matt Collins touchdown. And then you have the second touchdown, which Logan Ryan was 
almost there for. I don't think it was directly his fault, but he was somewhere in the vicinity. Isaiah Ford is running towards the pylon in the end zone, and you have James Bradbury and Xavier McKinney there. And they're just standing in the same spot. Meanwhile, I think it was Xavier McKinney's responsibility to go cover the zone of Isaiah Ford. Because I think Isaiah Ford was running across, and James Bradbury was trailing him for a little bit on that play. Don't get me quoted on this. But with that being said, whatever the situation was, Xavier McKinney had his faults on both touchdowns. But James Bradbury, if you're not going to press him at the line, meaning Jalen Waddell, might as well not even play on him. And I part blame Patrick Graham for that. And I know I'm nitpicking at the defense in a game they actually played well and gave up only 20 points in a situation where they were constantly relied on to stop the run, stop the pass, and stuff like that. But... Jalen Waddle, you have to know that he is an impact. Sure, he didn't have 136 yards, but he had 90 yards on 9 catches, 10 per reception. So, next time you face a receiver like that, and this is what pisses me off about the defense, is that if they're not allowed to go ahead and press the guy at the line of scrimmage, they play 10 yards off, and they play the bend-but-don't-break defense, which has its cons because the time of possession, like in the first game against Denver, like some of these other games this season, will heavily favor the opponent because the bend-but-don't-break defense is styled to clamp in the red zone and only give up three points, less than three points, so on and so forth. But you're wasting a lot of time. The offense can take its time and accept three points, accept, I don't know, zero points, maybe get seven on one drive. But the point is with opponent offenses settling is that the offense for the Giants isn't doing anything. So that lack of aggressiveness bites the Giants in the ass. Sorry, I'm playing with a pen here. But... That's one thing that pisses me off about this defense. But overall, I will say that they did play well. James Bradbury didn't play well, in my opinion. I don't think he played well. But that's just me. Jalen Waddle had a big game. That's pretty much it for the defense. Let's talk about Joe Judge, then we'll talk about final thoughts as well. And get you guys out of here. So, Joe Judge, right? A lot of people were convinced games leading up to this one that Joe Judge should be the head coach next year. And they knew that Dave Gettleman wasn't coming back, so they knew they were saying, bring in a new GM and Joe Judge as the head coach in year three, which doesn't make a lot of sense because that's what the Giants organization has been doing the last few years. New GM. Fire the head coach. New head coach. Fire the GM. That's all franchised-run garbage. That's all John Mara. You can't say, oh, Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge for that one. That one is strictly on John Mara because he's making the hires in which whether Dave Gettleman does a bad job, Joe Judge does a bad job, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, that's on John Mara because he can't get his head out of his ass. And 
he cares about the team. I won't say he doesn't care about the team, but he's making decisions that would have been permissible in 1984. And as long as he is stuck in that mentality, the conservative philosophy continues. And you can obviously say, like I said earlier, oh, Joe Judge is not too much to blame for this game. It's the personnel. He had a backup quarterback, whatever. There are little things that Joe Judge could have done to put the Giants in a better position. Will Hernandez is still out there. Nate Solder is still out there. They're playing Corey Cunningham at the bunch tight end. And even if Joe Judge is here next year, once again, going back to the point I said earlier, Matt Parrott's not a part of the future. In a future Joe Judge team for next year, but Corey Cunningham is. Isaiah Wilson, they took a flyer on him. They, he hasn't played yet. But hell, Will Hernandez, his contract ends after the year. He's going to play for this team next year? No, he's not. Both of them aren't. Doesn't make any sense. So that's one part of where you could blame, oh, blame Joe Judge. You can blame Joe Judge on that. I promise. And there are some things where you could say, well, it's too late in the season for. There's one thing you can try to do on this offensive line, and it's way too late in the season. We got, what, four games left? Five games left, actually, so we actually have to suffer through the next five weeks, and Giants may actually never win a game for the rest of the season. But one thing you can do is shift Skurra to center, put Isaiah Wilson at right guard, put Matt Pair to right tackle, and put Ben Bredesen at the left guard position, even though he was put on his ass a couple of times against Miami Dolphins. But I don't know. It, it seems weird. It seems weird with Joe Judge. And I'll talk about the timeouts and the conservatism in a second. But it's just, I don't know. I feel like he somewhat thinks he's not going to be here next year, but he also thinks he's going to be here next year. That is confusion. This whole process is confusion. This whole process is bullshit. But let's talk about conservatism. So... How do you call a timeout with seven seconds to go in the first quarter when the clock is running down? According to the broadcasters, they said that he called the timeout to make sure that the game clock was going to expire before the play clock. Hello? Where's the common sense? You're going to waste the timeout there? And sure, the Giants didn't score enough points on offense to even warrant a timeout in the second quarter. But where's the common sense? The multiple timeouts on defense. It doesn't make any sense. The timeout usage is horrible. And whether it's the headsets, whether it's not the headsets, you have to adjust. 31 other NFL teams like the New York Giants have to adjust in that situation. And the Giants have not adjusted They've instead blamed the headsets. They've instead blamed their offensive coordinator, their former offensive coordinator. They blamed this. They blamed that. And even Joe Judge came out in the press conference and said, yeah, we're heading in the right direction. And I was encouraged by some of the plays the offense made. Really? 
It's funny, I said this earlier in the year. I didn't know Aaron Boone was the head coach of the New York Giants. Or it's Joe Judge was the manager of the New York Yankees. But with that being said, I would rather stick to the formal saying that Aaron Boone is the head coach of the New York Giants because if he had that type of talent with the New York Yankees, he would not succeed, A. And B, the corporate answers. The corporate answers. So... He just looks stupid. He just looks dumb in the press conferences. And he's only ruining it for himself. Because that reflection all goes back to John Mara. It is what it is. And let's pull up two other things, shall we? Let's pull up two other things. I don't know which paper I put it on. Here we go. Here we go, guys. The Giants did not go for 4th and 3 on the first drive on the Miami 47. First drive, I could somewhat get. First drive, okay. But let's look at this one. I believe this was in the third or fourth quarter. I'm pretty sure it was the third quarter. But if it's the fourth quarter, it's even more blatant. The Giants were down 10-6. And they punted on fourth and two on the Miami 46. That's where aggressiveness does not work. That's where conservatism absolutely does not work in today's NFL. It does not work. And... You can go ahead and say, well, Vic Fangio against the Chiefs, right? He was way too aggressive. Span that also on player execution. I believe he was too aggressive at points. But also, player execution wasn't there. Teddy Bridgewater had one of his worst games in a Broncos uniform. But back to the Giants. When you have a backup quarterback starting, when your offensive line is not blocking... When you know you have a bend but don't break defense, why do you go ahead and punt on 4th and 2 on the Miami 46-yard line? Why do you do that? Because one of those drives down the stretch, ladies and gentlemen, was that Isaiah Ford touchdown. And the Giants went down by two scores. Not saying, oh, it's the defense's fault for the game to be lost. It's not the this fault, that fault, whatever. But... You give your offense just a little bit of a better chance to win. And if you don't actually convert on that fourth and two, we could blame it on play calling and we could blame it on execution. Because we will have said in that situation, well, Joe Judge went for it, but Freddie Kitchens didn't style up a good play call. But the offensive line didn't block. But Mike Lennon sucked on that play. We would have said that. It still may have not been a good result, and maybe the Giants would not have won that game if they went for 4th and 2, or if they didn't go for 4th and 2, or if they didn't get it on 4th and 2. But the lack of aggressiveness, especially when you have a backup quarterback and when you're in a 4-8 and eight team, what are you being conservative for? What are you saving down the stretch that you can't risk it all in this game? It doesn't make any sense. It does not. And it's so sickening. And we can all sit here and point to the conservativeness in week two. Once James Bradbury got the interception, they ran the ball for two plays, and then they went ahead and passed. It was behind pass to Sterling Shepard. I think it could have been picked off, but the point is that they let the defense, the horrible defense, the defense was horrible. Horrible at that point in the season. 
Here you can argue, well, the defense can just go out and save the day for the Giants like they have so many games before. But in week two, the defense was playing horrible up to that point. And they said, ah, well, we'll be okay with the field goal. We'll be okay with the field goal. Not like they don't have the ability to come down and score on us again. The ego of conservatism is absolutely astonishing. And not in a good way. So, Giant fans, I'm encouraging you to make up your mind on Joe Judge. Because guess what? There is no evaluation for the next five games. Daniel Jones could very well be out for the season. And I'm not saying don't root for wins. I'm saying root for wins and actually be a trooper and stick on this team at 4-8, 4-9, 4-10, 4-11, 4-13 if we go 4-13. If we don't win another game for the rest of the season. But what I'm saying is, if you don't learn anything in this game, or any of the prior games before, when Daniel Jones was the starting quarterback even, you're not going to learn anything new down the stretch. Because Mike Lennon may start against the Cowboys if he's back from the concussion protocol. Jake Fromm starting next week against the Chargers. The week after the Cowboys game, I believe is the Eagle game if I'm not mistaken. And then after that is the Bears game. Then after that is the Washington football team game. Then the Giants will have to be poised with the decision whether to fire Joe Judge or not based off talent, based off conservatism, based off coaching. So this was a little warning, meaning this game. This game was a little warning to tell you guys, make up your decision. And I know fans have actually no real impact on whether this coach is fired, this coach is hired, this GM is fired, this GM is hired. I know fans have no real impact. But I'm just warning you, Giant fans, you're not going to see anything new down the stretch of the next five games if Daniel Jones is indeed out for the season. I'm just warning you. All right, let's go into final thoughts, and then I get, get you guys out of here. Um, despite not being the future franchise guy, Daniel Jones was better than Mike Glennon. He absolutely was. He may not have led the Giants to win if he was starting in that game, but he would have at least had a touchdown because Mike Lennon missed multiple throws, made at least five bad plays, and he threw into double coverage multiple times. Multiple times. And you would think maybe somebody just as a veteran, oh, well, he may not be the best quarterback, he may not be the best backup quarterback, but hell, he knows not to throw into double coverage. Bullshit. Bullshit. He threw in the double coverage multiple times and should have had at least two to three interceptions. So don't tell me, oh, free Mike Glennon, this, that, and the other thing, right? No. No. DJ is better than Glennon. Because he makes stupid decisions, but he doesn't throw in the double coverage too much where it's almost intercepted. Not as many times as Mike Glennon does. The play calling, the execution is not any better under Freddie Kitchens. It's not any better. Whether you can say it's Kitchens' fault for not dialing up more creative play calls, he was sticking to the screen game too much, but the player execution is becoming more and more exposed game by game. And once again, nothing is changing down the stretch. Nothing is changing. If they're not making changes at 4-7, and 4-8, and eight, they're not making changes at 4-12, and 4-13. and 13. <sighs> Defense did the job, but the soft zone does need to stop when good personnel arrives. I don't think 
that Patrick Graham will be the defensive coordinator when the good personnel arrives. They may try to keep him if another head coach comes in another year or two, but I think he's going to leave because I'm not with Joe Judge anymore, and he's very good friends with Joe Judge. That's why he was hired. That's why he took the job as the defensive coordinator and the assistant head coach. But with that being said, I don't think that Patrick Graham is going to be here when the good personnel arrives for the defense, like an edge rusher, like a good linebacker. But also with that being said, I don't think this team's going to be fixed next year if they do keep Joe Judge and his coaching staff. Joe Judge does not deserve to be the head coach next year. Pretty much put it on the table. What has he promised and executed on for me to say, well, Joe Judge deserves another year? He has not done anything. This team has barely improved, and they are getting more blown out. They are out of games. The offense is still not improving despite some of the lack of talent on the offensive side of the ball. They are not improving. The offensive line regressed. It regressed. I know people can make the point, well, it was never that good to begin with. But in week four, they gave up no sacks to a good New Orleans defense, and they were actually able to dial up a good game plan. But in the last couple of weeks, they haven't been able to do that. They've actually had to game plan around the offensive line. So, sayonara, Joe Judge. You made Jason Garrett look like he was all the problems on this team. But, Joe Judge, you make yourself look like an asshole by doing that. I'm sorry. I'm not going to sit here and say that Jason Garrett was every problem on this team. He was definitely an offensive problem because he was out of date. But guess what, folks? If Joe Judge actually was reactive and actually, no, let me rephrase that. If he was proactive instead of reactive, he would have fired him before the season and made Freddie Kitchens the play caller, made Jerry Shaplinski the play caller, and get Daniel Jones in his second preseason and Joe Judge's first preseason as a head coach. He would have been able to learn the tendencies of of Freddie Kitchens or Jerry Shaplinski as a play caller. But Joe Judge didn't do that. He waited till week 12 to fire his offensive coordinator. And then the player execution on his part, too, it's on the coaches too, has been exposed so much. And the Giants are better off cleaning house because other than a few players, who are you keeping next year? Logan Ryan, in my opinion, does not deserve to be on this team next year, but he's struck into the cap. His dead cap hits better, or I should say higher, than what you save next year. Evan Ingram's gone next year, likely. Kyle Rudolph can be cut. Caden Smith was not used in this offense and is probably out for the season. Lorenzo Carter's not coming back next year. O'Shane Zimenez, it's going to be another rebuild. It's going to be another two to three years until the Giants are good again. If that ever happens, uh, you know, if we don't go through another cycle of this bullshit. But like, comment, subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when the live stream pops for your jobs. Appreciate y'all coming back. Peace out, guys. See you later. Thanks for the support. And stay cool.